Thank you for tuning in to the Life of KG podcast. We are all about helping you guys in the beauty industry. Whether you're starting out in this industry or been in the business for years, we want to motivate you, educate you, and support you to grow. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to a Life of KG. Today I'm interviewing Layla. You guys have to listen to this episode all the way until the end because you will pick up so many golden nuggets. Layla's been in the beauty industry for over 20 years. She's had a salon, she's gone into training, distribution and many more things. And Layla also works between the UK and Marbella. So I really wanted to find out how does she manage her life and business within two locations with all her companies still running very smoothly. So without further ado, here she is. Layla, thank you so much for coming on the Life of KG. Thank you for having me. (laughs) It's actually really cool because like you, I had the summer off. So I haven't done a podcast guest for, it feels like ages, it's been two months. So I'm like, oh my God, it's exciting to have you as my first person after the summer. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Did you have a nice time off? Yeah, I did. Did you? Yeah, I loved it. Well, I'm back. I'm back here in Spain right now, but I'm on my own this time. No family this time, no husband and kids, just on my own. (laughs) Oh, nice. Living the life. (laughs) Those of you that don't know who you are, can you introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Yeah, of course. My name is Layla. I have multiple um, hats in the beauty industry. Um, Depending on which company you want to talk about or which business you want to talk about today, I have a training company of uh, 15 years, um, 16 years actually this month. Um, I have a distribution company where I sell other people's brands and along the journey I formulated and launched my own brands. Um, I also have a mentoring business which really helps beauty professionals learn the the business side of running a salon, not so much the technical side. That's what I've got the creative beauty group for. So yeah, lots of lots of hats and lots of things. <laughs> lots of nice. I'm quite similar to that as lots of hats in the beauty industry. Do you find that people get super confused with what you do because there's so much going on? Do you know? Um, no, in all honesty, no. Um, I'm the one that can get confused. Like sometimes I can be talking something can go, actually, no, 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 wrong audience, wrong people, wrong product we're talking about. So, but I, I, I can see how that can happen when they're all in the beauty space. Mm. So, and there's definitely a crossover, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we're all kind of branded KG. So it would be KG Salon, KG Professional, KG Business Mentoring. So sometimes it can get a little bit yeah. confusing if you don't know yeah. what it is we exactly do yeah um, and I, branded the same company or are they are they completely no. separate identities all completely separate identities different companies different trademarks different staff different teams mm-hmm. and I had to do it that way which is probably why my answer was no my answer probably could have been yes if it was all under one umbrella mm-hmm. um obviously that was set up for multiple reasons I mean tax reasons for a start financial <laughs> 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 reasons for a start but also just so, I mean, marketing as a massive example, which is, I understand, a huge pain point for our industry. If I had the same ladies working on, say, Lip Envy as, say, Beauty Boss, they probably would blur lines. They would get a few things confused, which is why they're all different people, all different staff on different payrolls, yeah. um, so that their message is clear. Exactly. So, but yeah, no, so they're all all separate. 
wonderful so you've been in the industry for a bloody long time and yeah. you know a lot but where did your journey start in the industry honestly I went to um college and I did a business course and I I don't actually think it's part of any part of my journey even though when you hear oh she did a business course that's mean that's why she's so businessy actually no <laughs> I really believe a lot of this stuff we learn on the job um, but I did a business course, like a one year course, because I was young, straight out of school and I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and I got placed in a um, solicitors, actually. Um, and at that time, I thought, oh, maybe a legal executive, because, you know, they always look cute and dressed very nicely. And, you know, they help people with problems. And so I had my placement in a solicitor's office and I was bored to death. And I think from that point, I knew that wasn't my journey. I knew that that was not my my place to be. I needed to talk to people and there was nobody to talk to other than a bunch of folders and files that needed putting away, paper, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think from that point, I then realized I need to be where people are. I need to be there to help people um, but have that face-to-face -face nurturing type of um, relationship. So then I went back to college and I did my level two. I didn't do level three. I decided to not go down the level three route. And I just started my beauty journey by doing um, an MVQ in level two. Wow. Yeah. You, you then went, I, when was the journey to start then your own salon? Because you had your own salon at one point, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it was really, really quick. I was qualified. Um, so within four months of being qualified, I opened my first business, which was Layla's Unisex Beauty Salon, which I had for just under 10 years, um, but I sold it. And it's still to this day, a really successful, lovely salon, which I love driving past and being like, oh, look at that salon. <laughs> you know, they do so well. Um, but yeah, it was a short four months. And I just thought, what is there to lose? It can work or it won't work. It's not going to be the end of the world if it doesn't. So I just jumped all in. Um, but I'll be honest, it was a very busy road. So this road or this area was well known it was renowned for nail salons at the time back then it was all pink and white if you remember katie it was all freehand pink and white none of this gel polish business <laughs> i know all acrylic nails only all pink and white like this um and i came along and opened salon number seven on a really busy road and i took my mum and dad to this empty massive really neglected rundown shop and i'll never forget my mum actually said to me like, Layla, why don't you just go and rent a space like normal people? Why don't you just start small like everyone else? Why go into such a big premises? Because it was also not the road with lots of other salons. So my parents were like, too busy. You're never going to make it. There's already a ton of salons here. It was also the biggest property out of all the salons. And I was like, I know what I'm doing, I think. I was a teenager. I was like, I think. Um, and I just went all in. And it was a very, very good decision because it worked. And it's still working now for somebody else. That's amazing that you can go past and be like, it's still open. It's still yeah. running. It's still successful. Yeah, it's lovely. It is lovely. Mm. What was your reason for selling the salon? Honestly, um, within the two years, so the last two years of me owning that, I also then ventured into training and distribution. The distribution part actually ha happened by accident. I didn't look for distribution to start with. But I was a CND salon and anybody who's watching this now who's a seasoned um, nail tech will know that way back then um, 
every salon was a CND salon. And so everybody was using the same products. And out of the blue, our suppliers had just disappeared. And what had actually happened was CND had gone into liquidation. They had they had bust, basically, which I know they've gone on to do another six or seven times since. But I was just this little salon owner, wanted to know why I couldn't get my products. Um, and then one day I went to the wholesalers and there was literally nothing on the shelf. And, you know, that kind of tells you a story. Something's going on. Next thing, they had literally disappeared. So I started emailing a company in America and going, little, little old lady, go, where are my products? I need my products to run my business. <laughs> they probably thought, who is this nutter? <laughs> um, but that then led into a conversation. Um, and I basically said to them, do you want to replace your old? Because they were telling me that they've got a whole new business structure. They're going into a new company. And then the conversation turned into if I wanted to replace who was once my supplier. And this, we're talking to CND, the biggest in the world. So I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> and um, okay, and then I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So at this point, um, I was then the salon owner. And then I took another property directly opposite my salon, another huge building, um, which then I launched my training company. Um, and then very much like you, when we're training, people need kits, people need stock when they run out of things so then I started distributing for um for CND wow but wow. it was hard I mean I'll, I'll be honest during that transition and anybody who watches this who's in the salon environment now will know that our clients get really attached to us hmm. so they're not so keen to see you flourish and see you go because it's, it, it's inconvenient for them and what was happening was I was starting to spend way more of my time over here and my training um academy and distribution center because I had a shop at the front and I had all the it was a purpose-built school really and I was spending less time over here in Layla's um salon because I got very quick very early in 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 employing people so um when they started seeing them being put into other people's columns they don't like that because they're in they've got habits you know we formed relationships and deep relationships so that little transition was a little bit challenging yeah Mm, interesting so we'll go back to the product side in a little minute yeah. uh, what was as a salon owner because loads of our listeners are salon owners what was the biggest lesson that you learned or lessons that you learned from being a salon owner in that time do you know what I think and I think a lot of people are nowadays a lot more wiser to this but I'd have to say when I was a salon owner and I think the the mentality of salon owners back then was to offer everything you know, so one minute we would be, um, you know, doing our normal nail services or our waxing services and our facials, and that's fine. But the next minute I'd have a bridal party in. The next day I'd have a children's part, princess party in. And I think what happens is we are there going, yes, we can do that because painting nails on a, you know, a 10 year old's hands with their mum sat there for a little princess party is no different to painting someone's hands who's 40 years old with still painting nails and of course we want the business and we want the money so we're saying yes to everything but what we don't realize is on the outside we're given a very very confused message as to what we're good at what we're known for so if I was to give you guys advice it would be to choose something you're good at definitely look at something that's the most profitable and make that your your area of expertise and that it's easier for you guys to then position yourselves as that go-to expert for microneedling or microblading now or lip fillers don't try and do it all because 
you can do it all. But like I say, the message out there to your audience on your socials, your real passing trade on the high street, you're seen to be doing a bit of everything. It's not the fastest way to get profitable, basically, Mm -hmm. and clear on your message. Yeah, definitely. That's really, really helpful. So you had your salon, you sold it. You're distributing for CND. Then you've gone on to obviously more distribution, product lines, all that type of stuff. So what happened when it comes to CND? Are you still with them? Are you not? No, (laughs) no. And at the time, again, probably an awful thing to have happened if I was right in that moment. But looking back and very quickly looking back, the best decision ever. So I was with CND for um, about eight and a half years. And CND, for you guys that know, will know that they're a nail brand. So they are the second now. They're not actually the first. They're now the second biggest nail brand on the globe. And um, so I was selling nail products and nail care. And I was training and teaching nail courses from beginners to, to season to master level. But because I also had a shop, I, I, I could see that there was opportunity to sell another product that's not nail related to the same customer. So basically, I could double my, my, my revenue per head, at least. And so I did a little bit of research. I got on the, on the shop floor. I was talking to my customers. And around about this time was when the spray tan market launched in the UK. It was a big boom into the UK market. Everyone was fake tanning. And um, Saint-Tropez was the name everywhere at that time. They really, really, you know, owned it, if you like. But I could see that there was a there was a synergy between a nail tech and a tan tech. And especially knowing that 65% of the UK were mobile. So when I know that most of people in the nail business are mobile and most tanning professionals are mobile, it made sense for me to get to work, <laughs> you know, and launch a product where I can sell to the nail tech something else that wasn't going to conflict any contract with CND. And I was going to make more money selling to the same customer. But they got upset about that. And that's when it got really sour. Um, Because my focus, understandably, was going towards my own brand. Because Mm. I wasn't, not to say that I stopped caring for CND. In fact, you couldn't if you tried, because it was just so popular. We had just launched shellac. It was the world's first invention of you know, gel polish. So we were riding a huge wave. So I couldn't even try and neglect the brand if I tried. But they didn't like the fact that I wasn't solely, solely loyal to their brand. And that's just the CND way. Where I'm definitely a person where I believe we're all here to make life what it is. There's enough um, money out there and there's enough success out there in abundance actually for everybody and I truly believed I could step up and do both which I did um but like I say it got a little bit awkward we would start having our meetings and I could tell that they were dying to ask me where I've been up to where where's this brand come from which was called exposed by the way exposed spray tan um and it became the elephant in the room until I had my meeting with them, which we would do once a year, every December, the end of every year, um, either in London or Leeds, we would all get together, all the, ma- all the major distributors, and we would talk about what sold, what didn't sell, what worked, what didn't work. And it was that meeting where I was asked to stay after, stay behind, and I knew why. Um. And actually, I thought it was going to be along the lines of, 
you know, your focus is elsewhere. We're not, that wasn't really part of the, the contract or the decision-making when we gave you the contract for the Southwest of England, because I had the contract to serve and supply the whole Southwest. So not just a little area, um, but it wasn't that. They actually offered to buy it off me. They actually said they had tried the product without me knowing. They loved the product. They see the synergy that I saw with, you know, nail tech and tanning tech is the same customer. And they offered me, um, a very nice sum to buy it off me. And I said, no, four months later, I had a terminated contract on my door. Wow. <laughs> that was it. You know, yeah. So with that nice sum of money they offered you and they're seeing life now, are you glad you didn't take it? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, they really wanted it because they came back and doubled, essentially, and came back and tried to pitch it to me and sell it to me in so many ways, like basically said to me, you'd be stupid to not take this because you would have that lump sum of money from selling your brand over to us with all the IP, all its trademarks, all the work you put into it, my formula, but also you would still be selling it through your creative beauty group distribution business. And I still said, no, they then came back again and said, what if we made you, um, we, we paid you the lump sum and you were selling it through your business because it was my company. It's nothing to do with them. Mm. Um, and then they would pay me a consultancy fee to build the education team, teach all the educators how to teach spray tanning the exposed way, you know, keep writing the manuals and, and own that. So I had some kind of ownership and I still said no. And then four months later, I got my terminated contract. So, so when you got your terminated contract, obviously you've sold the salon, you've gone into distribution. They're obviously a huge company, a massive part of your business. You have yeah. got your spray tan company, but... Was she thinking, crap, what am I going to do? Oh, yeah. I mean, at this point, I had, um, I, at this point, I had huge premises. I've employed, you know, I've got a customer care department over here. I've got my shop staff over here. I've got my warehouse staff over here. I mean, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going down. And, I'm, you know, everyone's going to lose their job. I've obviously got shellac and all the other amazing CND products on my shelf, but basically they were never going to send me another order. So once that was gone, it was gone. Hmm. So I was like, oh my God, I'm on borrowed time. And then what then happened was all the aggressive emails from CND corporate in California demanding that they buy my stock back off me. What they essentially wanted to do was bury me. They wanted me to, they, they were giving me um, cease and desists. They were, they were insisting that I sell back the product that I bought from them. Um, and I start, which I refused. I got myself a lawyer. You know, I play hardball as much as the next person. Yeah. So um, there was all of that nasty stuff going on, which can happen when you deal with very, 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 very big corporate companies. Um, but alongside of that, um, I was obviously looking where else I could buy CND from to keep me going, which I did. Then I started just talking to other companies, um, such as Nail Harmony, Jellish, and other big brands at that time. And it was around about the show season, funnily enough, one of the beauty shows was coming up. I think it was XL. Yeah, it was XL London. Um, and I was walking the floor. And I had my stands because I'd already booked and I wasn't going to stop showing up for my customers. It's my business, my customers, my future. So I still show up to the show and all the rest of it. And um, then I had a conversation with somebody who was also there, just so happened to be there from America to look for a new UK distributor. It was a brand new brand. No one had ever heard of it. 
Um, and I thought, well, what have I got to lose? So I tried this product. They gave me a whole ton of stuff. I gave it to my educators and my staff. And I said, what do you think about this? And not only was it good, it was better. It was better than CND shellac. It's called Gel 2. Um, it was the world's first gel polish that came with no base coat. So straight away, I was able to say to my customers, I'm really sorry that I can't sell you shellac anymore. And of course, you can go to other companies to buy shellac. I said, but I'm just about to launch something that lasts longer than shellac, has a higher shine than shellac, and doesn't need a base coat, which means you're saving 15 pounds a bottle, no base coat, um, and all of these other USPs. And because they wanted to see me succeed, because they bought into me and my business and my values, they stuck with me. So many months later, when all the awards happened, every single year, Shellac would win. We won them. I won them. I won best product of the year, best education of the year, um, best services to the industry, which every year prior, I had to push my customers to say, vote for CND, vote for CND, because I'm a part of CND. We were never allowed to put ourselves out there as our own um, yeah. entity. But now I was the master distributor. Now I became, I went from, distributing just for the southwest of England to an importer I then went the next level I was like oh my god now I'm arranging vessels to come in you know with containers and it just went crazy but it went the right crazy so saying no was the best decision ever definitely would yeah. you say that that's like was still your hardest point you've gone through in business or was it not no no I mean there's I think anybody who thinks they don't go through hardships and deciding to work alone and build teams and go into buildings and putting yourself out there. If you think there's no risks or there's no hardships, you're deluded. <laughs> um, so I would definitely say just be okay with that because you'll just get through it and you'll grow through it. Um, I think managing people is quite hard, especially when I started so young and I was employing people to two times my age, double my age, more in some instances. And it's trying to make sure that they are aware that they are there to drive that company into profit and the friendship and everything comes secondary but you're they're actually there they're getting paid to bring you in money you know and they get rewarded for that as well and it's all lovely and we have the most amazing teams and we have the most amazing environment but fundamentally again if I could give anybody advice that's about to go into recruiting some their first member of staff or building out a team whether it's employed or you know remote which seems to be the way these days um just be very very clear what you're there to do you're there to to make money and to keep people in jobs yeah, yeah. and I would say it's a lot of what people struggle with in our industry is obviously building teams leadership management and it's it's it is the most stressful thing of running a business no matter how small or how large a business is yeah yeah I think that everyone needs to realize the only way to grow a business is to have teams definitely definitely delegate 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 yeah <laughs> actually I think I listened to you on Clubhouse and it was about delegation and I, I realized she was another delegate delegation queen like me yeah. <laughs> yeah. get that off my table ASAP <laughs> <laughs> I used to hate delegation I used to have to have control on everything and literally yeah. the last like seven years or so I've been like no no that person does that that person does this like delegation yeah. is king definitely definitely <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you are a successful business lady you have your fingers in many many pies what is your day-to-day -day and what is your secret to how you manage it all um my day-to-day 
really goes back to those teams, really making sure that they know what they're doing so that they can execute it efficiently and fast. I don't want a job to take weeks and weeks if it can take days. And I don't want a job to take days and days if it can take an hour. So I think it really stems from being really clear with your team. Training is really, really important when you're onboarding anybody new. They only know what what they know until you tell them, you know. So mm-hmm. otherwise you're left picking up the pieces. You're left you're like jumping in and going, now we've got to do it twice, which is a false economy. Or you've got to do it yourself. Again, you're kind of stepping backwards as opposed to delegating and moving forwards. So I would definitely say just keep that communication with teams, especially if they're remote now, um, as regular as possible. So my typical day would be, I always start with a staff meeting, depending on what team it is. And especially if we've got launches or shows or events or, you know, there'll obviously be more, there'll be more conversations to be had, there'll be more meetings because there's more things to do. Um, but as long as they have got the message clear, I walk away and then they, they, they come back when they just want me to either sign something off. So it's either a sign off or if it's something that um, requires me to then step in, maybe it's a video, maybe there's certain components to their job that requires me to do an interview or a video or an appearance or in, in, you know, an interview or something like that. But other than that, I think just keep it clear for them and they can get on with their job. Yeah, perfect. Because you live between, obviously, UK and Spain. You're in Spain right now. You have the summer in Spain, um, which is absolute complete goals for me. And I know many people that are going to be listening and watching. How do you find working from different locations because your teams aren't? I mean, we've come into a world now since COVID where everyone is remote. So I guess it's so much more easier now. Whereas pre-COVID, it might have been, God, you can't like live in a different country and your teams are elsewhere. Yeah. But how have you how have you found it? And did you have to feel like you had to let go of like the emotional connection between the business? Not really, Not really Katie, if I'm honest. But just so you know, I moved um, to Marbella three years before COVID. Mm-hmm. So... Um, with the various different teams I have, some are employed and some are self-contracted. So my newest company, the Beauty Boss Academy, they are all self-contracted. So they are all remote. So that was my me for the first time dabbling and seeing whether it works. I love my team. I think they're epic. They're amazing. They all bring a different talent to the table. Um, but I'm still a little bit old school. I am still a little bit like, oh, I think I prefer everybody in my building, around my tables, in my offices, which I've also got with my other businesses. So just going back to that whole pre-COVID, um, because I, like I say, I've been living here for three years. I was dry. I was flying back once a month, maybe sometimes six weeks to have that real staff huddle mm. and that real, um, you know, appearance, if you like, in my building. If anything, more to reassure my staff. And also it gave a nice opportunity for maybe some of my old um, students that I may have taught years ago or customers, if they know that I'm around, if they see on my social media that Layla's in Bournemouth, they'd often come in, you know, and we'd stand at the shop and have a coffee sort of thing. So I like to do that. I think you can never forget where you've come from and you can never forget your customers because if you continue to give them value, they will stay. And it's a win-win situation. It really is a partnership. But no, I did not hesitate at all to buy another property out here move out here and live between the two because that is really what it's all about we're working to generate an income so we can live the life that we 
we want. And I know this sounds a bit cheesy, but I have said this and I'll say it before. Life is by design. So I've designed my life to be this way. So, yeah. So question for you. When it comes to um, team staff, people hiring people, even just stepping out, even to just the point of a salon owner stepping out of their salon and working from home rather than the salon or working from elsewhere rather than salon, automatically that salon owner feels guilt because they feel that but the staff don't think I'm working because I'm not in the salon. So did you ever get that from going abroad and working in Marbella where everyone's going to be like, oh my God, she lives in Marbella, living the dream, I'm working here. Did you ever have that guilt or how did you feel Yes, that? I did. I did. Um, so did I, did I um, struggle to let go of the emotional connection to my companies? No, because they're there to make me money. That's what they're there for. They have paid for my house. <laughs> you know, they have paid for my flights, my house and my life. But the people, because we go back to what I said at the beginning of this call, is that, you know, I'm a people person, you're a people person, most people in our industry are people people, which is why we're in here. Um, so, yeah, if there was the time that I felt guilty, it was for my own staff, because you're quite right. The sun is shining here 10 months of the year. They would look at my stories. In fact, what I really noticed is when I first moved here, um so I bought this house nearly four years ago now because you've got to factor in the year of COVID um I noticed that my staff were appearing on my stories more regularly and so yeah I would start thinking oh maybe I shouldn't post this one where I'm sat sunbathing or I'm having a cocktail or I'm out with my friends um so yeah but I'll be honest Katie that that lasted for all of two minutes because again you have to bring it back to reality of like you know we all have choices Staff are going to come and go. People know that in the salon industry, more than most people grow their own wings and they fly and they open their own salons or they go into teaching. Half the teachers I see teaching now, I've taught them how to teach. So do I feel resentment to that? Absolutely not. Everyone's got the right to, like I say, grow their wings and go and fulfill their life. So if you just remind yourself of that, then I got back to the posting. <laughs> You know? <laughs> so <laughs> I love that and it is really really true just keep focusing on the mindset and being like well this is the life I've built for myself that's yeah. how I live my life how short we are on this planet and other people have choices of what they want to do with their life yeah exactly and also I'm a very much a play hard a work hard play hard kind of girl so you know I would say to my staff if you get to x amount this month I'll fly you out and we'll go and do a weekend in mobs and I did I mean, the, the most time, the, the biggest one I can think of is when, because not everybody could come and the men really aren't interested. So it was really the girls. And there was eight of them that I flew over from a Thursday to a Sunday. And I made sure that that experience for them was amazing. It was like the ultimate girly weekend. We had beds at Nikki Beach. We were walking in at five, six o'clock every single morning and then literally dying next to the pool all day, you know, Um and, and I and I brought them into that and they loved it. You know, they didn't have to spend a penny. I really, really looked after them. But at the same time, when we got back to business, it was back to work. It was like, right, we've done our party and we've done our girly time. We've done our team bonding time, you know, and all those girls, you know, they're all each other's best friends as well out of work, which is lovely to see. But when we get back to work, we're back to work. It's back to business, you know. So, yeah. Even though you have them times then with your team members, and obviously, like you said, team members that are working with you, a lot of them are close outside of work. That's what happens. The people you're spending people, 
more time with the people at work than you do your family don't make sure it works really yeah. did you manage to keep that fine line with your team members of you treat them and you'll do things like that but there's also I am your boss and don't really mix with them outside yeah definitely I mean apart from those times where I bring them out here um that would be it that would be it. And it was, you know, the company was paying for those expenses. That didn't come out of my personal pocket. It was a company expense. It was all put towards team bonding, staff meetings. Um, I mean, we had one staff meeting, but that wasn't really a staff meeting. Everybody was far too hungover. <laughs> and it wasn't really about that, but it, we were trying to get a few little bits in um, whilst they had me, whilst we were together and whilst they were going to go back into whatever project or whatever, whatever we were doing. But yeah, it, 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 it is hard when you blur the lines. I'm particularly good at not blurring the lines. So for example, I will know that we would have our WhatsApp group with our you know team, but I'd also be very aware that they have their own WhatsApp group without me in it. And mm -hmm. that's not because they've told me. I think maybe um, one of them said something and maybe go, oh, okay. But that doesn't bother me because they're not my friends. They're my employees. You know, so yeah, I, again, it comes back to just being aware, understanding, being okay with it and just moving forward. You know, it's nothing personal, it's business. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, One last question for you, Layla, and then I will love and leave you. What are your top tips for business owners that want freedom? Well, delegate, <laughs> definitely delegate. We can't do it all. We can't be, we can't be good at it all. Um, I've definitely learned that as well with a brand that I wanted to launch and there just wasn't enough of me and it didn't work, you know? So not everything works, not everything that you see. I know we've talked in this call about a lot of positives, a lot of breakthroughs and amazing parts of my career, but there's also been a ton of awfulness, awful things, challenges and awful things and things that have flopped and not worked. So I think really just kind of go with the flow, see how things roll if things don't happen that doesn't mean never say never maybe it wasn't your timing maybe there wasn't enough research maybe there wasn't enough development within yourself um so definitely definitely just you know give your ideas time but definitely also delegate build teams because you can't do it all on your own um and be okay with the word no yeah grow through the no <laughs> yeah. you don't have to say yes for, to everything for sure no. <laughs> no. where can people connect with you if they want to um follow you on socials where should they go um well um you've got beauty boss hq on instagram well on facebook and instagram you've got the beauty boss academy um as a website um you have the creative beauty group if you're looking for a training company or a distribution company and you have lip envy no needle filler if you're interested in aesthetics and you want to kind of head into that um realm as well so but you've also got me as i am layla tora <laughs> on socials i'm pretty much everywhere <laughs> perfect we'll put everything in the show notes so anyone that's listening and wants to go and check layla out it will be easy access but thank you so much for giving up your time today oh, we'll thanks for me. in the sun right now <laughs> <I know. laughs> thanks for having me i've really enjoyed it and ultimately the idea is just to help people on their path because we can all do it everybody can have a house in another country everybody can have that second home we can have whatever we want um some will get that because some will take on that information and implement it. Some will take on that information and do nothing with it. But ultimately, we can all we can all achieve it. So if I can help anybody, then then you know where I am. 
Perfect. Love that. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks, Katie. If you love this episode, please share and tag us on social media at KG Salon. I always follow them. I always follow them. If you're a salon owner and would like to join our membership program, coffee, cake, and chat, get in touch for a space. Be around a like-minded tribe. Have 400 pounds worth of mentoring a month and push yourself to the next level. I love being a part of such a great community. Until next time, have an amazing, successful week.